going on, everybody? We back with yet another episode of With Time We Can. This week, we got a very special guest, my girl Katie. How you doing, Katie? I'm good, Brian. How are you? I'm good, man. So happy to be here. So happy that you came on this platform to yeah. share a little bit about your story. Yeah. So let's get it started. All right. So um, how about we just start from the beginning? Where are you from? I'm from Denver, Colorado. Denver, oh my God. How is Denver? I ain't even been on that part of the United States before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's different. It's very white. It's very, I feel like there's a huge lack in like culture and depth there. Um, I mean, it's beautiful. You got the mountains, you got beautiful rivers and stuff, but yeah, it's different. It's different, okay. Well, how was your community there? Like, you, was it, uh, I know it was predominantly white, but usually when people think predominantly white, they think of racism and mm. people that are uppity. Like, is that yeah, is yeah. that a fair assessment or what was your community like? No, I wouldn't say that's a fair assessment of my community at least. Mm. Um, I went to, like going back, back, I went to public school from K through 12, and I was fortunate to be in schools that were really mixed and were like, didn't have the vibe of like all white people here, all black people here, right. all Hispanic people there. It was like, it was a really nice mixed culture. That's great. That's yeah. great. Especially since you described it as you know, a, a white, you know, a mm -hmm. white city. Yeah, yeah. But they still was able to keep the, the demographics like, mm -hmm. like equal and, and you know what I'm saying? It was integrated. Yeah. And I like that. Okay. So what about your family structure? Like, did you grow up a single child or just a mom, mom and dad? Yeah. So I grew up with um, a mom, a dad and a sister. Okay. Um, yeah. Really tight, really tight family. My mom was a reporter and then started a newspaper in Denver called Westford, which is still one of the only um, like grassroots newspapers in the country, I think, um, that's free weekly. Uh, my dad was pretty big politically. He was a political advisor to pretty much every Democrat coming up. And uh, he's also a community uh, uh, city planner. He was also a city planner, okay. um, which he kind of traveled the country, helping communities like come together to build cohesive um, cities. And yeah, my sister was two years older and just boss. <laughs> she was just boss. Yeah, she was. <laughs> um, well, I did hear about uh, your family, mm. so. Why don't you talk about that? Like, you know, mm -hmm. I know you you had a, a very big tragedy in your life yeah. uh, with the loss of your parents and your sister. Mm -hmm. And is that the reason why you came to Philadelphia? That's a good question. Um, yeah, so when I was 17, when I was in high school, uh, the four of us were in a car accident. And unfortunately, my mom, my dad, my sister all died. I survived. Um, and... I feel like super blessed because I have a great community. And prior to my family dying, I was super close with my aunts and uncles and everyone. And so um, 
yeah, after they passed, I was definitely like supported and held up. Um, but it took a while for me to get to Philly. I lived, moved to Boulder, Colorado, and then Boise, Idaho, and then Boston, Massachusetts, wow, really? <laughs> and then Asheville, North Carolina. And then I moved back to Denver and kind of didn't like where Denver was heading. It kind of is expanding a lot, which is everywhere. I think because I'm from there, I saw the gentrification like through eyes of a local, and it was really disheartening for me. Um, yeah, and then I decided to get my master's in social work, and UPenn has like a specific program that I was super interested in, so I came out to Philly. Now, the stress level, mm. like, was that that was that a lot to go through? Like, like not the death of your parents and your mm. sister, but the moving so many different places after that. Like, yeah. the stability just had to be a lot. Was it? Was it? Was it a lot for you to go through? That's a good question. I think that it was partially my way of like coping with the loss of my family to not put roots down anywhere and to kind of like keep going, keep going. Um, and it. I mean, I did two years of AmeriCorps in that time, and I worked. I did have like amazing opportunities during that time. Um, and I think when I went back to Denver, um, right before coming to Philly, I, then everything kind of hit up, hit, hit, came up on me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, I think at that point I was kind of like, oof, this is a lot. And so making the move to Philly was like super intentional and super like, focused of like taking everything I've been through and taking kind of what my family had instilled in me and yeah I think I don't know this is the first time where like I think I found my home since they died so it's feels good that's um that's actually really great to hear like I'm, I'm very happy for you because I I really don't know what I would do in that situation yeah, yeah. and Nobody knows. You just have to go through it day by day, moment by moment, exactly. actually, and, and try to get through it. So let's just talk about Philadelphia. So um, I'm under the impression that you worked on State Road, which is mm. a road in Philadelphia full of jails, <laughs> men's jails, federal jails, women's jails, oh county jail. So how was that working in the jails, especially with the, you know, just the culture change, you know, mm. from being from somewhere that was predominantly white, mm -hmm. now being in a, in a major city that's predominantly black. Yeah, yeah. Um, working on State Road was shocking, honestly. I mean, I never, it was, it was really fascinating. So I had five um, clients that were in five different jails. And so when I would like go and visit them every week, I would like park at one jail and then walk from jail to jail. Mm. And it was just so, so interesting seeing that layout and that like landscape. Um, and yeah, meeting with my clients, I, out of the five, four were black men and one was a white woman. Um, and the culture shock I think was at least in 
the like in wider Philly definitely there's a culture shock just in terms of like the depth of like different types of cultures and communities and stuff like that, which I would say is a good culture shock. Um, whereas in the jails, it wasn't, honestly, I've done so much research on jails and I'm so interested in this population and supporting this um, people inside that it didn't surprise me that the majority of my clients were black men because, you know, looking at statistics, that's kind of, unfortunately, yeah the norm um but it was interesting because when i was in colorado i volunteered in a colorado prison that doing a creative writing workshop which was really really incredible um and <clears throat> i did i think five different like sets of the workshop and the vast majority of the people in those workshops were white which makes based on the demographic of Colorado, but that was more surprising to me, seeing that many white people locked up because of, again, like the statistics and stuff. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, you know. Um, I've never been to Colorado personally. Mm -hmm. I've heard stories, and um, but I have been in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and you know, whether it's you or me, it's still a shock. You know, I, mm -hmm. work, in, I work in the prison population as well, and I also feel like it's normal, you know? Like, I had, like my, my entire caseload is, 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 is filled with black men, you know? Not even black, I'm just black, black men, mm -hmm. you know? So I totally understand it. But I did want to ask, like, what was the, um, like, what, what was the interest? Like, how did you, how did you become even interested in working in the prison population? Yeah. Um, I cannot tell you how many people in my life have asked me that. And <laughs> it's funny because nowadays, like, prison reform and prison abolition is such a big thing that, like, everyone's getting on board, which is huge, obviously. Oh, yeah. And this has been something close to my heart um, probably since my family died. Prison abolition and prison reform wasn't really a part of my what my family was like passionate about or striving towards. Um, but once they died, I just recognized how many chances I got. Like, I, not only did I live, but I was like continuously given opportunities um, because of who my family was. And I just, I mean, I, I am so happy that I had those opportunities and have been given the chances I have, and it just doesn't seem fair. And I think that that, for me, is a big part of prison abolition and working with people who have been inside because everyone deserves a second chance, a third chance, as many chances as they need. And um, you just don't see that with people getting out. And I think that, for me, as someone who is extremely privileged in with being white, being female, although that's kind of disputable if that's a benefit, but <laughs> and, and like being well off, I, um, I didn't do anything to like earn that. And so I just feel, I 
just that there's such injustice in this country that I could do illegal stuff and probably have done illegal stuff and have gotten off because I'm white and well off. Um, and so I think that was like part of like the underlying like passion I had for this work. And then also when I was in one of my four undergrad universities, <laughs> I um, had a professor who we like just spent the majority of the semester talking about um, issues in society and prison was a huge one obviously. And um, I just learned more about how messed up our criminal justice system is. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. Wow. Well, I can say that I I highly respect that. You know, just because you had no reason. You know, you had no no tie to this. You know, it was you know like you said, white woman, Colorado. You know, unfortunately, the loss of your family caused you to move around, but you could have took another route. Mm -hmm. You know, but for somebody who has lost so much and still find ways to give back to other people. Mm. I, I can definitely respect that, you know? Um, no, no problem. <laughs> so I wanted to ask like, um, you know, so what's your future goals with this? Like, do you feel like this is a career type of thing or do you feel like this is something that is of interest right now? And then when they get the ball rolling and the reform happens, you'll go to other endeavors. Or if that's not neither one of those yeah. things, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely more on the career trajectory, but it's, I don't know, for me, as much as this is definitely a career, it's like a way of life, I'd say, of just like that underlying passion and like commitment to reform or abolition or like individual like communications with people who have been inside um it's definitely i can't imagine doing anything else because it is so important and it's it really is what like keeps me going is knowing that I can, there's something, if there's something I can do, I want to be able to do it. Right, right. Do you feel like a sense of belonging? You know, like, like, maybe, maybe, and this is, might just be the, the social worker in me. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe just like that sense of belonging, like, uh, you know, I lost my family. I lost mm -hmm. a, a lot of people that's close to me. These people need me, you know, and mm -hmm. we get those bonds, you know, yeah. at work we get those bonds mm -hmm. when we visit the jails, you know, those people become our, our sweet old families. Yeah. You know, is that a, a, a fair thing to say as well to you? Yeah, I definitely, definitely think it is. I think it's interesting feeling accepted and like part of a community, again, being a white woman and being like having such a different upbringing and privileges and stuff and I mean you don't have to go through something horrible to be able to connect with people and I think that the loss that I've endured really helps me recognize the resilience in people and recognize like the strength that people have to like 
rise up out of like horrible situations. And like, it gives, like I, I'm hurt, you know, like I have lived through some real pain mm -hmm. and people inside have lived through some real pain and it's different pain for sure. But I think it makes us human in a way that we can connect. Wow, that's deep. Mm. Well, do you ever feel, do you ever have a sense of inferiority, you know, um, working in the prisons? Because I know you mm. work with men yeah. in, in, this, in this field. You know, your, your primary co-workers are men. Yeah, yeah. You know, you go in the prison, you see men. Yeah. You go to uh, re-entry coalition, prisons coalitions around Philadelphia, most of those people are people that are either formerly incarcerated, mm -hmm. black people, mm -hmm. or white people with years of experience. Yeah. You know, you coming from college as an intern and now you know you're getting in the swing of working yeah. and you ever feel like, wow, I'm, 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 I'm the minority in this room. And does it ever get to you? And does it ever like change your work? Or do you feel like you got something to prove? Or is it just a natural, is it natural? You, do you embrace it? Yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah, I'd say I definitely embrace it and kind of take advantage of it in a way. You know, being someone new to Philly, new to Broad Street or wherever I'm at, like, I'm able to kind of look at things from a new angle and, um, well, always knowing that I'm not the expert and that learning from those who are and kind of, I don't know, it makes me think of like the way my dad worked of listening. He did a really good job of listening to what everyone was saying and then kind of piecing together what everyone has in common and what everyone, the like joint mission that everyone has, even if they're all yelling at each other, <laughs> like everyone, there's usually a joint mission. And so I think that as an outsider, I'm able to kind of see that more clearly and also as a woman um you know I, I know that you've found that having a woman on staff or as an intern when working with uh, people who've been released is super um helpful because a lot of women who are inside tend to have negative connotations with men or negative relationships with men so that's been really um, I don't know, really empowering, I guess, of my womanhood to be able to connect with women. Although, of course, I'm outside, I've never been inside, but just like woman to woman, we have a connection. Right, right, very much important. And never call yourself an outsider. You have been <laughs> ordained into the Philly family, our family, the prison family. We love you and accept you, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I, I also wanted to ask about your stories, mm -hmm. you know? Like, do you have, without, you know, disclosing any personal information, do you have any stories that touched you like with just re-entry working, whether it was State Road or whether it was, you know, at our job. Like, mm -hmm. have you ever had any personal stories that you can use as a testament? And if I may, mm -hmm. how about it be like a, a woman? 
you know, instead yeah. of, you know, we, 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 we've heard a million black men stories. Yeah. You know, have you ever connected with a woman and helped her in yeah. any way? Yeah, one of my um, clients last year is a female, a white female, who was leaving State Road, and the bond that we made pretty quickly was really tight, and I, it was interesting because, yeah, I worked with men in Colorado and um, all of the other people on my caseload were men, and have, working with a woman who was actively fighting for not only her um, getting her like mental health stabilized and finding housing and all that stuff, but also for her children, I it was heartbreaking, I would say, to watch someone who was such a beautiful human being spoken to like she was worth nothing by the men in her life who were just unwilling to recognize that she had changed and unwilling to like let her communicate with her kids or let her like hold her children and that was yeah something you don't really see with men just because of the breakdown of like the mother's role and how that impacts being inside how that impacts that relationship and i really want to thank you humbly for coming on with time we can sharing your story and I just want to close with this last question. Yeah. What would you do to change the current criminal justice system? Um, and let's just let's just focus on Philadelphia since we're both here. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you for having me on. And this is a great question, one that I think about a lot. Um, I actually just took a class called Breaking Down the Prison Industrial Complex, which is what needs to happen. I think that the way that the criminal justice system is working right now is not benefiting anyone. And for those inside, they are leaving, losing however many years they have been behind, like that they have been locked up and coming out to a society that will not hire them will not provide them with housing, will not provide them with um, different sorts of benefits depending on where you live in the uh, country. I think that, I mean, long term, a big thing I am fighting for is abolition, just getting rid of the prison systems and taking that massive amount of money that is being put in, fed into the criminal justice system and using that to fund community um, organizations, community spaces where people could get the kind of support they need so that if they do commit a crime, they're not locked up for however many years. They're instead being given the tools so that they don't need to create a crime or um, whatever, but in the, like, shorter term, um, I mean, all, it's a lot of it unfortunately has to do with money, but providing spaces like Broad Street um, with more resources to actually provide like supports to those getting out. I think the biggest issue I see is <clears throat> housing. And in Philadelphia, we have 
so many on like building so many houses so across the across the city that are uninhabitable and I feel like I read this somewhere that people are gonna homeless people or whoever are um, gonna be given the opportunity to revamp those houses and make them um, like safe to live in and then so people can start living in these houses as opposed to just having broken down houses all over the city and homeless people all over the streets and people getting out not being able to find housing. So I think housing is just in the like very short term something that can really support people coming out. Um, yeah, and that's definitely something I see at Broad Street. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Well, thanks again. And I know I said I had, that was the last question we was going to close. <laughs> but your answer actually inspired me to ask another question. Yeah. Now, this really would be the final question. <laughs> um, you, you seem real genuine and you feel like, you know, um, you know, the prison industrial system could use less funding so we can fund things mm -hmm. to um, use it to, like, prevent or like a, use it as a preventative measure so yeah. that people won't go to jail rather mm -hmm. than funding the prison industrial system to keep people in prisons and build more prisons exactly um do you really believe that there really is room for redemptions for returning citizens 100 percent yeah i i don't even have any words because i believe that so strongly um we wouldn't be in the jobs we're in if we didn't believe that. <laughs> um, I, I inherently believe that every human is good and that people do things because of life circumstances or mental health or whatever, whatever. But I believe that if, if anyone wants redemption, that they can get it and that even if they don't want that redemption, we still should provide space where they can get it because, yeah, it's an unjust world if we don't provide that and right. it just creates uh, toxicity, I'd say. Well, there you have it. <laughs> We're gonna stop it right there. Another episode in the books with time we can. Katie, thanks again. Thank Play you. Out.